Hello and welcome to Quick Hits, a podcast brought to you by Borealis Threat Risk Consulting in Ottawa, Canada. I'm your host, Phil Gursky, president of Borealis. This particular podcast, which I'm recording on the 19th of June, 2020, stemmed from an article I read first thing this morning on the CBC website, cbc.ca slash news. So I popped out of bed, or eh, maybe at my age, pop is a little bit too of a too much of an exaggeration. I groaned out of bed this morning to read this one on the top page of the CBC website entitled Canadians Amongst the Most Active in Online Right-Wing Extremism. According to research done by the Institute for Strategic Dialogue, or ISD, which is a think tank in the UK, I'm very familiar with them. I have uh, been to their headquarters many times and I have a great deal of respect for their researchers. And they found that out of more than 6,600 online channels, which they qualify as pages, accounts, or groups, they found Canadians were involved in spreading white supremacist, misogynistic, and other radical views. They added that Canadians were found to be highly active, even more on average than users in the United States and Britain. Barbara Perry, who's the director of the Centre on Hate, Bias and Extremism at the Ontario Tech University in Oshawa, Ontario, called the Canadian tally, quote, really disconcerting. Quote, for us to be up there with the heavy hitters, it's a wake up call, she said. I like Barbara, I have a lot of time for her. I think she's a good researcher. But there's two things I wanna comment on when it comes to this particular news story, because it's gonna be spread and it's gonna be commented on a lot. And a lot of people are going to weigh in on what this means and how screwed we are and how we better wake up now before something bad happens. First and foremost, a lot of people have accused me particularly of ignoring the far right threat, of dismissing it, of saying it's not important. Uh, First of all, that is categorically untrue. I never worked the far right threat when I worked when I worked at CSIS, the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, where I was a strategic analyst looking at terrorism. I was a jihadi guy looking at Islamist extremism in Canada and abroad. We did have a very small fledgling far right right wing extremism body at the service. Uh, I don't think there were a lot of investigations going on. A very good friend of mine was the chief analyst on that particular task. So it's not that we were ignoring it. It simply didn't rate the priority nor the resource allocation that the jihadis did. Now, why do I say that? If you look at all the attacks planned and or executed in Canada since just since 9-11, and you compare the Islamist extremist bunch to the right-wing extremist wankers, what do you come up with? About a 10 or 20 to 1 ratio of Islamist extremist attacks to far-right attacks. Let me explain with actual data. How many attacks in Canada have been planned and or carried out by far-right extremists in this country since 9-11? I, I, I would play the Jeopardy music now, you know. Da, 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 da. Anyway, I'm not going to do that because the answer is one. One attack in 20 years, well, 19 years. And that attack was in January of 2017 at a mosque in Quebec City where a young man, not so young, he was in his late 20s, Alexandre Vissanet walked into a mosque one Sunday evening while, while Muslims were at prayer, opened up fire, killing six or so and wounding another six. He pleaded guilty to first-degree murder. He was not charged by terror, for terrorism under the criminal code. That's a whole other issue I've dealt with in many other podcasts. That's the only attack planned and or executed since 9-11. Now, some would say, well, what about Alec Manassian? He's the guy, the so-called incel guy on a van on Young Street in Toronto in, in April 2018. What about the young man in Toronto who was accused with 
terrorism for stabbing to death an erotic massage worker in February of this year. I'm not going to go down that road because, as I've said, and you may disagree with me, there is no consensus that incel violence constitutes terrorism to begin with. So let's leave that one aside. What about Islamist extremism? How have they been doing since 2011? Well, off the top of my head, I can count at least 10 attacks planned and or successful. You want to hear a short list? Toronto 18, 2005-2006. What the RCP called their Operation Samosa in Ottawa, 2010. The Via Passenger Plot, 2013. The Victoria Legislature Plot, 2013. The attack on a soldier outside of Montreal, 2014, October 20th. Two days later, Michael Sahapi Bo killed Nathan Cirillo at the National Cenotaph and they proceeded to go to Parliament Hill when he was killed. That was October 22nd, 2014. A guy at Edmonton runs over a cop. He's an Islamist extremist. A guy walks into a, a Canadian Forces recruiting center in Toronto with a knife. He's an Islamist extremist. Rahab Dugmosh, this female loser wanker, walks into a Canadian tire hardware store with a golf club. She's an Islamist extremist. And just this week, a young kid pleaded guilty to terrorism charges in Kingston, Ontario, about two hours south of Ottawa. That's not to mention that some around the 200 Canadians who went to join Islamic State, Al-Shabaab, Al-Qaeda, you name it over the past 20 years. So if you sit, you do simple math. How many plots were there successful and or foiled and or failed? It's probably at least 10, if not 20 to 1. So there's your numbers. This is why CSIS treats Islamist extremism as its number one investigative priority from a terrorism perspective. No, it is not ignoring the far right. I have no idea how many investigations are active right now because I don't work for CSIS anymore, but I'm pretty sure it's higher now than it was when I worked there. But still, it pales in comparison to the hundreds of investigations to which I was privy over a 20-year period. Now, you can argue with me on theory or whatever. The fact remains that in a country like Canada, which is relatively immune from terrorism in the first place, Islamist extremists still pose a greater threat than the far right. In a world of infinite resources, we would treat both threats and other threats, like from the far left, you know, whatever you think of Antifa, whatever you think of the pipeline protests, there certainly are potentially terrorist elements there as well. If you had enough men and women and, and, and money and technical resources, you'd cover them all up to yin yang. You don't have that. And we're never going to get that in Canada. So CSIS has to allocate what resources it has based on the relative strength of the threats that are out there. And as of 2020, the relative strengths are that Islamist extremism worldwide is by far a largest, larger threat. Is the far right growing? I think it is, based on what I'm reading in the open press. And I think it will get more attention. But let's not say that CSIS has been dropping the ball, the RCMP has been dropping the ball. We have not. We've had our resources exactly where they should have been for the past 20 years. And as good law enforcement and security intelligence agencies, those resources will be reallocated when it's necessary. And I'm guessing that time is probably now. But it's a, it's a calculation you make. How many uh, surveillance teams do you put on this guy versus that guy? How many human sources do you recruit against this guy versus that guy? These are not easy decisions. Anyone who says they are, are lying. Either they never worked in security intelligence, or if they did, they didn't, they didn't work in operations, because this is not the way the world works from an operation perspective. The second thing I want to comment on is, again, not to dismiss the importance of the fact that we have all these Canadians posting this stuff online. People are going to panic and say, oh my God, oh my God, the sky is falling. All these people online are planning acts of terrorism. They're planning acts of violence. No, they're not. 
The vast, 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 vast majority of people who go online and post stupid shit are useless, cowardly, incompetent, pathetic wankers. That you, that's a technical term that I just invented. Incompetent, pathetic wankers. They like to say things online. They like to play big man on campus. They like to, to portray themselves as really important. But they have as much chance of carrying out a terrorist attack in Canada or anywhere elsewhere than I do of becoming a professional goaltender in the National Hockey League. And my chances are zero. Actually, they're lower than zero. See, here's the problem you're, you're faced with when you work for law enforcement or security intelligence. You find these people through your human sources or through other investigations, through tips from the public or through intelligence sharing with a domestic or international partner, and you convince a judge to give you a warrant to intercept their communications and you start looking at them. And you find, yeah, there's some pretty nasty stuff that's being posted online. But the more you watch it, the more you realize there's no there there. This is, this is ranting. This is venting. This is some guy in his basement with nothing better to do. Now, the problem is that on some occasions, the pathetic, useless wanker actually does something. He actually gets two neurons of courage together and he leaves his house and he stabs somebody or shoots someone or runs somebody over with a van. So what does happen? But the challenge for your protectors, for your law enforcement, security intelligence, is which wanker is going to become the real, real deal? How do you separate the talkers from the walkers? Those that talk the talk versus those that walk the walk. And I'm sorry to tell you this, there's no formula. There's no predictive mechanism. There are some tools out there. And as I was retiring from the security service, there was an effort at CSIS to try to sort of figure out what separates the talkers from the walkers. And I did see the results of that. And it, it was good. There were some good, good, some good findings, but it wasn't perfect. It was not predictive. And I'm, and I'm telling you, based on what I know, there's nothing that's going to be predictive in nature. There are things you can look out for. And I certainly have noted some of those things in my work on, on Islamist extremism. My whole first book, The Threat from Within, back in 2015, talks about these signs, things that are worrisome. But I never made the claim that I was being predictive. You can't be predictive in this field. You, you can sort of do your, your best work, do your due diligence, and hope that you've got the right person at the right time. That's as good as it gets. And, and I'm, I, I'm, I think there's always room for improvement. I would never say rest on your laurels. But for anyone to say that we dropped the ball because they're watching the wrong guy has no understanding of what a security intelligence or a law enforcement investigation looks like. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be so critical and so dismissive. But I hear a lot of people saying that we're just not getting it. And, and as someone who worked at the coalface for, for 32 years, including 15 at CSIS, we do get it. And it's hard. And it's complicated and it's not black and white and it's not obvious. That's not the way the real world works. So this is a good news story, I think. Good news and a congratulations to the ISD and to Barbara Perry for her work for highlighting the fact that, yes, we have far-right extremists in Canada. It's important that the public realize this and can maybe detect some of the signs when somebody is, is going down that pathway because they should feel strong enough and confident enough to call in somebody when they're worried about it. A call to the police is not, is not going to be a problem. They investigate. If there's something there, great. Nothing there, great. I mean, you know, we just kind of wash our hands and go away. So these things are important things to talk about. But again, I've said it already. Canada as a country, as a nation, is relatively immune from terrorism. 
We're not Afghanistan. We're not Somalia. We're not even the United States for that, for that matter. We do not suffer from terrorism hardly at all. And these people that go post this stuff online, very, very few, if any of them, are going to do anything about it. They just don't have the cojones to do it. I'm sorry. That's, that's technical talk again. They just don't have the wherewithal to actually implement their feelings, even if they're real and not just fake, into some kind of an action. Now, of course, something will happen one day and we'll, we'll tear our hair out and wring our hands and put on a hair shirt or, or I'm, sorry, I'm, so, I'm showing my Christian background here, and we will lament the fact we didn't stop it. Well, we can't stop everything. That, that, that's utopia. And last time I checked, we're not living in a utopian world. It's not dystopian, but no longer is a utopia. So that when you read these articles next time, I think read them carefully. See what's being presented as data. Look at the people who are presenting the data. Look into their backgrounds. Look at those who comment on the data. What is their so-called expertise? Where do they come from? What is their experience with working in the real world and this stuff? And then make up your own mind. That's what I do on a daily basis. And I think you should do the same thing. What do you think? Do you think that far-right extremism is a greater threat to Canada than Islamist extremism? Do you have the facts to back that up? I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me on email, borealisrisk at gmail.com or on Twitter at borealisaves. You can also find me on LinkedIn and Facebook. And if you like this content or hate this content and want to get more of it, please go to my website, www.borealisthreatrisk.com. You'll find a subscribe button in the upper right-hand corner. Click that, provide me with your email address. You'll get a daily digest of short podcasts like this, which I call Quick Hits, longer, uh, an intelligent look at terrorism, perspective podcasts, today in terrorism, blogs, media, you name it, free of charge to your inbox every morning. Provide me with your feedback. I'd love to hear from you. If you have any ideas that you want me to, to weigh in on, if I can, I will. If I can't, I'll be very honest and say I don't know anything about that. I hope to hear from you, and I'll talk to you again soon. Until then, stay safe. Thank you.